We are Anthony and Danielle. We own a pet food store in Columbus, Ohio called Fangs and Fur that is focused on educating pet owners on feeding food nature intended for our pets. You can find us on Instagram at Fangs and Fur Pets or Facebook at Fangs and Fur. If you want to send in a question for Anthony to answer at the end of each episode, message us through our website at fangsfur.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and leave a review. This is the Fangs and Fur Podcast. Today we are breaking things down, starting from the beginning. What do we mean when we say feed your pet, dog or cat, a species appropriate diet or adding fresh food to the bowl? The what, the why, and the where. Anthony takes you step-by-step on the journey. Be sure to stay until the end of the episode where we answer a customer's question. Stop guessing what's being added to your pet's food. Feed your pet food made from the freshest and healthiest ingredients found in Steve's Real Food. Every Steve's formula is pH balanced and uses only 100% natural, high-quality USDA-inspected free-range meats and unprocessed whole and functional foods. Steve doesn't contain any synthetic supplements or ingredients that can't be identified on the ingredient label. Plus, it's loaded with beneficial bacteria from goat milk. See how much better your pet will feel after just a few weeks on Steve's Real Food. Find out more in the podcast show notes. Yes, I wanted to dig in into what I think a lot of people, for, for a lot of people, Raw food is a this brand new concept, even though it's been around much longer than processed food has, which we are going to talk about. The a lot of people just have no idea what that what it means to feed raw food. So we're going to dig in, in dig into what raw food actually is. You'll hear me refer to raw food as I call it species appropriate food. I call it fresh food, and then we're going to talk about where the idea came from. So this whole idea of, of feeding our pets raw food, our dogs and our cats, like why why is this a thing? And then we'll talk about why raw food, especially from a physiology standpoint, like why why we should be feeding raw pet food to our dogs and cats. So so first off, what is raw food? So what's that mean, right? So raw food is, you know, it's food that has not been altered by any kind of cooking process, such as baking, steaming, extruded food. Simply food is, you know, you would find in nature. Raw pet food is is intended to be in a raw state. This is how pets, especially our pets, would be eating food in the wild. So we're trying to duplicate that at home. Specifically today, we're going to talk about commercial raw food. I think homemade raw food or DIY diets are another another topic. If you're just starting out with raw food, you probably start with the commercial raw food first. And then if you want to delve into you know some DIY stuff, then we can do that later down the road. Not to say that it's impossible because it's not, but it's it's better just to kind of get an idea of what you're working with first. So in the shop, we always get, you know, I kind of jump into the benefits of raw food, but then people kind of stop me and be like, well, what, like, what exactly is this? Like, what does it look like? You know, we have five double door freezers, with lots of different options. So I want to kind of talk about what, what does it actually look like and what it consists of. So, you know, raw food, kind of the basis of raw food is... An 80-10-10, you'll, you'll hear that a lot as you start getting into raw feeding. And what that really means is it's it consists of 80% muscle meat, 10% bone, and 10% organ, with half of that organ percentage being from liver. So these are kind of all the essential nutrients our dogs and cats need. And what this duplicates really is, is a prey animal. So you'll see a prey animal has the same kind of consistency um, or something very similar. You know, within that 80-10-10, a lot of companies now will also use um, some phytonutrients, so some low glycemic produce, things like spinach, kale, broccoli, bok choy. So a lot of times people think the raw food is just going to the grocery store and buying ground beef, 
and feeding it to your dog. Well, there's there's way more to it than that. So the phytonutrients are really important, I think. Some people don't use them or don't want to use them, and their dogs are perfectly fine, but they provide a really good phytonutrient punch and some missing vitamins and minerals just being the world that we, you know, currently live in. You know, a lot of animals are deprived of of nutrients, you know, just being fed the things that they're being fed. Soils are depleted, so it's kind of good to just to make sure they have that that extra nutrients in there. There's also something called a prey model. Prey model is just, there's no vegetables, there's no produce. It's just the muscle meat, bone, and organ, essentially duplicating a prey animal. Uh, and then you kind of have the BARF model, the biologically appropriate raw food model. And that is, you know, that's going to be kind of all those same things, the muscle meat, the bone, and the organ, and then a very small amount, a small percentage of, of vegetables and fruits and ones that are more species appropriate, I'd say. So like I said, the low, the lower glycemic ones, the ones that have less sugar in them. With that being said, if someone were to walk in tomorrow into the store um, and they have those two different options, which, like, how do you recommend which one they should go for? Well, most of our diets are the BARF model. So they, they're following, they have a small percentage of, of you know, the, the produce in there. So spinach, kale, broccoli, bok choy, those, those really awesome things. So I always almost start with that. If I have a dog that has like some severe allergies and we're really trying to eliminate some things, then we can start with the prey model just to eliminate any any kind of stressors, any kind of chemical stressors. And we don't really know what's going on. So we're just trying to feed them a simplified diet. Most of the time, I think having that fiber there, especially for dogs that are just transitioning to raw food is, is a benefit. That is kind of what raw food is. And it it comes in different formats. Different companies have different formats. Most of the time, it's going to come in an eight-ounce patty. And it's all ground up. It's all almost pureed into a, a patty. So you can't you can't see the bone or the organ or anything like that. It almost looks like a hamburger patty. So I think a lot of times people get a little intimidated by what they're going to see. But it's, it's nothing more than looking at a, a hamburger patty. So they also come in like little nuggets, which some people like. Some people do a mixture of raw food and dry food, which is great. Some of them come in cartons or containers where you're scooping it out. But most of these companies have kind of designed it to make it really easy for the consumer to feed. All right, so that's that's what raw food is. All right, so we looked at, um, or we talked about what raw food is, but now I kind of want to look at where this whole idea of feeding raw food came from. So I want to first talk about just the DNA comparison. This is really cool. Wolves and dogs actually share, they, their DNA varies as little as 0.2%. So their, their DNA is very, very similar. So much so that the wolf is actually Canis lupus and the dog is Canis lupus familiaris. It's actually a subspecies, their dogs are subspecies of the gray wolves. And a lot of people, you know, they always say to me, well, my dog, my, my chihuahua doesn't look like a, a gray wolf. And I totally understand that. I'm not saying that dogs are wolves, but their physiology is very, very similar. And to those people, I always say, well, your chihuahua doesn't look like a husky either, but you consider them the same species. But fun fact, when we take our dogs on a walk and it is sunny and I mean, we have an eight pound chihuahua, the reflection does look like a wolf. So little comparison. (laughs) I guess this is true. It's on our Instagram. I mean, it is a comparison. You can see but, it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we we have somehow separated our our dogs from their from their ancestors. But you know, our, I think understanding where our dogs came from is extremely important, not only for their health. Like, you know, I'm specifically talking about diet, but also I think behavior. Um, you know, treating our dogs like like little humans, I don't think is a, is a healthy thing for the human or the dog. But I think it's really. I mean, I also, I also think it's really fascinating to kind of understand our our canine's history, but um, it's really it's really beneficial as well. 
when you look, when we look at the dogs, I think in the, in the diet, you know, processed food really came out of World War II. Um, it came out of you know they developed the extrusion process during World War II, and we started developing processed foods. You have after after the World War II, the post war era, you have people you know nuclear families and people going back to work and people being in a big hurry. And all they want to do is scoop and feed and go. And that's where processed foods kind of, when I say processed food, I mean kibble, came out of. And so, but I think what's really important is that for, is a really cool book by Steve Brown um, and Beth Taylor. It's called Unlocking the Ancestral Diet. Definitely recommend reading it. I'm going to quote Steve Brown here, but he said for, um, and this is, it's, it's always stuck with me. So I think it's really important to say, but he said for 99 995 to 99.999% of the canine uh, species existence, dogs have eaten their natural ancestral diet. For only 0.005% of their history have they eaten dry dog foods. So I always get this, you know, I don't want to say always, but a lot of times I get, well, I heard raw food is just like this fad. And I'm like, man, like, no, like raw food has been around for, for millennia. This is what our dogs have been eating since the beginning of time. So if one is a fad, it's going to be processed foods, right. right? They've only been around since the post-World War II era. And look what's happened since. You know, I always say, I, I talk about this a lot in the shop. You know, it's it's very eerie how the last 60, 70 years since, you know, dry pet food has really come about in the, in the United States. Look what's, look at what's happened to our pets. You know, we have cancer, diabetes, um, obesity. Uh, 80% of dogs have periodontal disease before they're three. And going back to the cancer, I mean, cancer 60 years ago, the cancer is 1% in dogs. As of 2019, it was over 60%. I, I think it's, I think the bottom line is, is that we need to, you know, we need to look at what our dogs need to eat to thrive and not just survive. I think dogs, yes, they can, they can eat processed foods and they can survive for a, for an amount of time, but are they really thriving off that food? And when we talk about health and longevity, I don't, something I don't think I know that kibble is, you know, processed food would not be the answer. And Dr. Karen Becker, who probably most of you people who are listening know who Dr. Karen Becker is, she's, I think, one of the most followed veterinarians in the world. Her own advice is to feed uh, fresh food. So, and I'm going to paraphrase her. I think she said, I can't remember the exact quote, but she's like, it's, it's sad to me that my peers are the, and by peers, she means veterinarians, are the last physicians on earth that recommend a highly processed diet over fresh food. And that's always that's always kind of hit me. I think it's really important to understand that when we're talking about raw food over processed food, we're really talking about, I mean, we're talking about fresh food over, over processed pellets of carbohydrates. It always kind of blows my mind that this is like so controversial. It's like, we're, we're talking about fresh feeding fresh food over over processed food like it's it's it shouldn't be even be a debate right and that's just like us i mean we wouldn't really survive or i guess i should say we wouldn't really thrive on eating cereal every single day twice a day so i think that there's something to be said for that feeding what they're supposed to feed you know just is long lasting and it has so many benefits for the entire household not just for the animal. I have a lot of people that come into shop and like, listen, like we feed, we feed kibble. We don't feed any table scraps. And I'm always like, feed the kinda, table scraps. I kind of laugh and I'm like, well, if you're feeding kibble, I hope they're getting some table scraps because <laughs> it's the only fresh food your dog will, will ever get. Obviously, depending on what those scraps are. I know that when I had Foxy um, and it was just her and I, and I was not on raw, I never heard of this concept. I know that my vet, when she had stomach problems, would always say chicken, with white rice, what is your and I and I do know now, obviously that that's not right, but 
I do hear that a lot from friends. Oh my, you know, just to cook some yeah, rice. I mean, it's, it's meant to be a Band-Aid, I think. But it's, it's obviously not um, providing all the nutrients that are essential and necessary. So it's, it's, I think it's something that's just like a bland diet, but I don't really believe in it. Rice is, is still going to be inflammatory. Sure. It's better than feeding kibble, but as a, as a, for a temporary fix, just going back, I think overall, I just want people to understand that, you know, raw food isn't, it's not a, it's not a fad. It's been around for much longer than processed food has been around. We looked at kind of like the history and where our dogs came from, but I want to kind of take a look under the hood and see what our dog's physiology is is calling for. Like, what what are they designed to eat? And so let's start with their teeth. You know, dogs, dogs and cats, they they don't have flat molars. Um, so when you think about it, like we, you know, humans have flat molars, cows have flat molars, goats, deer, omnivores, herbivores, they all have flat molars. Even bears have flat molars as omnivores. Um, our dogs and cats do not. And the reason why that's important is because flat molars help animals grind plant matter down okay so corn and grains and legumes vegetation because those things are actually really hard to break down they're not as digestible or easily digestible as as animal protein is so herbivores have certain teeth right to to be able to kind of break cellulose which is the cellular wall of a plant so break that down so they can absorb more of its nutrients our dogs and cats don't have that they don't have that capability their teeth were literally made I mean, your dog's teeth are pointy from the front to the back. They were literally made to to grab prey, hold them, and take in large chunks of, of meat. And so it kind of starts. It kind of starts with the teeth and, and staying in the mouth. It's also important to note that dogs don't have and cats don't have salivary amylase. So amylase is an enzyme that breaks down carbohydrates. We have it. Herbivores, omnivores have it. Dogs and cats do not have it. We talk about this a lot. It's really important because. Like I had mentioned before, 80% of dogs in this country have, have periodontal disease before they reach three, which is a crazy statistic. Mozzie's been eating raw food since he was a puppy. He has never had a teeth cleaning in his entire life. Eats raw food, but he gets a lot of raw meaty bones. And I think that I, there's there's people that, you know, they they have their dog's teeth cleaned like twice a year, once or twice a year, every single year. You know, you're knocking your dog out for an extended period of time. Um, which is so sad because that's the experience that I had, you know. Right. I rescued Foxy when she was two. I didn't switch her over to raw until she was six. And last year we had um, about 18 teeth. Yeah, to pull 18 teeth out. Removed. And I mean, I think that Anthony and our vet, you know, saw a huge progress, you know, and indifference, but kibble's kibble. And that's for eating that for six years. I mean, that was the impact. It was really sad, but also, you know, also eye-opening. We're, we're able to maintain her dental health now. Um, she does a lot better, obviously with the, with the raw food to at She's least been it. save, save the, the teeth she still does have. But this is quite common in this country to have dogs that even younger than Foxy, half her age having teeth pulled. I just talked to someone yesterday about this and it just shouldn't be happening. So anyways, dogs don't have salivary amylase, the enzyme that breaks down carbs in her mouth. So what happens is the problem is that, you know, processed food or kibble is 40 to 60% carbohydrates. So all these carbohydrates that they're intaking, you know, starting in the mouth, I mean, they're just converting to sugar. It's, they're not they're not being broken down and it, it sticks to their teeth and, and creates all this plaque and tartar. You know, with raw food, you don't have all these carbohydrates. So the raw food actually has a, we're talking about this with the benefits of raw food, but it makes them more acidic. So it makes them, um, the dental hygiene a little, uh, well, way more healthier. Next, I want to talk about their jaws. So power, so Dogs have really powerful jaws, bone-crushing jaws, some would say. Um, and if you feed your dogs raw meaty bones, you, you've seen this happen before. If you feed a prey model to your to your dog, you've seen this before. But they have really, really powerful jaws. 
In these jaws, they cannot move side to side. So you'll see, you know, cows, even humans, uh, goats, things like these, these herbivores. They actually, with those flat molars, they can move their teeth, their jaws side to side to like pulverize grains and legumes and, and these, you know, this kind of vegetation to break down, to break those down. Dogs and cats don't have that ability because they were never designed to grind down plant matter. Like I said, they're, they, they evolved to, to take large chunks of meat and organ and bone down and get it down into their stomach. Um, and not really grind things down. So it's really important to understand that, you know, our dogs and cats, just looking at their dental structure, their, the way they, their teeth are set up, the way their jaws are set up, that they, you can tell right away, if you had never seen a dog before, and all of a sudden you look at a, you know, you look at a, a German shepherd, you're going to know that this, this animal is not a herbivore. They are equipped to, to eat meat. So the dogs, they swallowed the large chunks of meat or, or their food. Um, and it goes into the stomach. And I think this is where it gets really interesting because dogs will actually hold food in their stomach for four to eight hours. And they'll do like a, a complete acid wash on the food, which is it's, what it's doing is it's it's actually killing bacteria um, that could be on the food. So dogs are really resilient to, to pathogenic bacteria for this reason. You know, this it, it shows that dogs are designed to digest, you know, raw foods. In this time too, it's, it's also important to know that carnivores like our dogs they have much larger stomachs than humans do stomachs make up like 21 to 27 percent of their digestive system in dogs it's anywhere from 60 to 70 percent of their digestive system is is the stomach so it's and why this is is because dogs are they've they've obviously um, evolved to gorge and fast you know it's, it's just kind of way that they were designed big stomachs able to hold a lot of food and have really, really strong stomach acid um, comparable, comparable to battery acid um, or concentrated sulfuric acid, so about 10 times more acidic than ours, which really helps break down that food and, and destroy pathogens. And then dogs have really short intestines, so compared to humans or, or other omnivores or herbivores, carnivores like our dogs have really short intestines. And this is because the food is so digestible, it doesn't take long. They're not, they're not they don't have to ferment or break down, you know, plant matter. So they don't need these really long intestines. And it's also kind of an, an evolutionary benefit as well, because these pathogens that may be in the food won't be able to contaminate them because they're just kind of going to shoot them out of their intestines. Dogs that are on a raw food diet will have much smaller stools, much healthier stools. They won't be as smelly. Um, they'll be way more firm. As a matter of fact, you can kind of wait two or three days and it'll just kind of blow away usually. <laughs> But that's one of the benefits, and we'll talk about that later, feeding, feeding a species-appropriate raw food diet. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, stem cell therapy and PRP, and more. Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us. All right, this week's question comes for, from a customer. I'm finally ready to take the leap. What is your best advice for me as I'm someone who's starting out? Yeah, I think the best advice I can give someone that's transitioning to raw food is do your research and, and be confident. I don't. It's not talked about enough. I think we always kind of focus on the dog right away. There's something to be said for going into it with a confidence because then if there's any kind of mishap, then you're going to want to back away. You're not going to want to go to raw food and then your dog's going to, you know, never be able to thrive because you're, you're going to continuously feed processed food. So I always tell people like, be confident in what you're doing. Your dog feeds off that energy too. 
give them the raw food and just back away. Just leave. Just like you would like if you're feeding them their regular food. Like don't hover over them. I see I see this a lot. People just like put the food down and they kind of like look at their dog and their dog's looking at them like like why are you looking at me? And so just give them the food and just back away and let them um, let them have at it um, and just be confident that you're making the right choice. That's really great. If you are interested in hearing a question read and have Anthony answer it, um, you can send us an email at danielle at fangsfur.com or you can send us a direct message on Instagram at fangsfurpets or find us online fangsfurpets.com. The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.